I just prayed. I said, Lord, if anyone in that building is, is time that you're going to be taking, and they don't know you, Lord, just, you know, Lord, let, let them give their heart to you, Lord. And I, and it, it kind of was a sadness on my soul that uh, a lot of people are going to die here. At that point, it just had a, a, a sense for the lost. And I pray that you will use my life In whatever way your name is glorified Mike Anson was a New York City firefighter on September 11, 2001. 18 years later, he's our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. After Mike Anson shares about his 9-11 experience, you'll hear part of Billy Graham's address to the nation, which he delivered three days after the attacks. Words simply cannot express the horror, the shock, and the revulsion we all feel over what took place in this nation on Tuesday morning. But God can be trusted, even when life seems at its darkest. If your life seems dark today, there is hope. It comes through God's Son, Jesus Christ. You can learn more by going to this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. About 12 years before that terrible day in September 2001, Mike Anson had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. I was uh, on the way to work and listening to a radio station, a Christian station, and uh, they were giving the salvation message, and I actually said the prayer in my car on the way to work. And I tell you what, I never, I never looked back, because I was 35 years old at the time and knew what I had before that, and I never wanted to return to that lifestyle again. In addition to his job as a New York City firefighter, Mike also served as a volunteer firefighter in his local community. And when he heard the first reports about a plane flying into one of the World Trade Center towers, he, like a lot of people, thought it was a small plane and that it was an accident. He headed over to his local fire station to watch news coverage of the story. After the second plane flew in, I, I knew right away that it's not an accident and this is a terrorist and, and it actually was done on purpose. So at this point, I'm saying they're going to need help in the city, and I need to get to work. I, I just need to get to work. Mike got home, told his wife and daughter goodbye, and packed up his things to head into the city. But he knew that actually getting into the city by car might be difficult or even impossible, so he threw his son's bicycle in the car. If they're going to stop me, at least I could be able to bike into the city, into the, towards the firehouse and all. So uh, I was making placards and cards. That if I had to park the car to the side of the parkway, I would just put a sign in, I'm a firefighter, so that, that at least they may not ticket my car or anything. As it turned out, Mike didn't need his son's bike. The roads into the city had virtually no traffic on them. And if he came up to a police blockade, all he had to do was show his firefighter ID. And I got into the firehouse with probably the quickest time I ever got to the firehouse. But, you know, on the, on the way down, I could see the buildings, actually, because they were tall enough to see the buildings and the, and the smoke coming from the buildings and all. And you know what? I, would just, I just prayed. I said, Lord, if anyone in that building is, is time that you're going to be taking, and they don't know you, Lord, just let them give their heart to you, Lord. And, I, and it, it kind of was a sadness on my soul that uh, a lot of people are going to die here. At that point, it just had a, a, a sense for the lost. In addition to praying for those who would die, Mike was also anxious to help those who would survive. 
But when he got to the fire station, he and his fellow firefighters were told they were not heading to Ground Zero yet because things were still too chaotic there. Instead, they were waiting to see if any more buildings were going to collapse, and then they'd go in later that evening. So about 10, 11 o'clock, they had come to the firehouse with a bus, and they were picking up uh, the, the firemen. And as we go down, I mean, nobody's knowing what's going to, what we're going to expect down there, you know. And I mean, it was the most quietest, you know, kind of like scariest quiet, you know, on that bus. Nobody, nobody hardly ever said a word. And, you know, you know, the bus little fireman, that's very unusual for nobody to, to say a word on a bus. But uh, we went down there and we drove down. And as we got closer, you can actually start to see maybe about 10 15 blocks away, you can actually see uh, the gray powder from the building coming down that the concrete just kind of pulverized back into a powder form. And it was kind of, you can see it on the cars now. When they got off the bus and started walking to ground zero, the dust got thicker, a quarter of an inch, then half an inch. Eventually, they were plodding through gray mud that was formed by the dust mixing with the water used to put out the fires. That mud was just one part of a scene that was simply beyond Mike's imagination. You're talking about a a six-block radius of buildings that just came down, and just one big heap and everything. And I mean, the smoke smoke is still coming because of deep-seated fire in the pile and all. And they just said, go down and, and, and let's see what we can do. So we started to go in voids. The term voids is a term that firefighters use for the openings in the rubble and debris where they hope that they'll find survivors. And as we go down, there's rigs that are crushed, rigs that are half buried, sticking up in the air. And it was dark at this time because it's 11 or 12 o'clock at night now. The smoke is still pouring. We're still going in trying to, to get whatever we can of life. Hopefully somebody that we can pull out is living, but it was nobody. So now they had the heavy equipment operators coming in, and they had to get that to start to pull away the, the rigs and everything else so we can get into the void, so we can, we can search for life and all. But it was still it was just it was more of uh, dead bodies that were just pulling out. And it was getting very depressing down there, you know. How could it not get depressing? Thousands of people had been killed, and Mike and his fellow firefighters were digging through the rubble that buried their remains. Mike began asking God why, and he even began to feel abandoned by God. But that began to change early the next morning. Volunteers had begun helping the firemen, bringing them blankets and food and water. It was more of a uh, situation there where, where the Lord was telling me, you know, you know I, I didn't leave you. I'm still here with you, you know, and I'm still... I'm still God. I'm still God controlling everything in a, in a world of sin, but I'm still here loving you and, and, and giving you peace and comfort in, in it all. And uh, to see the, uh, the volunteers, you know, bringing more food and, and, and uh, the nurses there, and I realized that, that God was there, that, that, that he was bringing these people to, you know, working through them to helping us and, and just their volunteering and putting their... Their life in danger is as much as we did, and they don't even going to get paid for it. You know, we're getting paid for this, and, and, and they're giving a snack. And, I mean, you could see that even though the smile on their face was, was a smile to try to, to build us and courage, but you could see in their eyes that what they felt is what we were feeling, you know. God used those volunteers to give Mike hope in a very dark time. I started to pray. I just prayed, Lord, help us. Just help us out here. We need you. We need you bad. And uh, 
And I knew it was going to be a long haul. This was not going to be just a day thing. It was going to be many times that we were out to go down there. But I felt his presence there, and I seen the presence through his volunteers. 9-11 changed a lot of people's, thousands of people's lives in many different ways. For our guest, Mike Anson, one of the outcomes of his experience in 9-11 is that he became far bolder in sharing his faith in Jesus Christ. 9-11 was a great awakening for me because I knew what the Lord had let done down there at World Trade Center was awakening for Christians to get up and be bolder and to get out there and serve the Lord and to seek Him and to love Him above all first and everything. Won't you be my Lord's calling? Won't you be my hands healing? Won't you be my feet walking to a broken Mike Anson is serious about letting people know that Jesus loves them and wants a relationship with them. If he happened to be sitting right across from you this very instant, he would tell you that. Well, since he's not, obviously, we'll let you know that you can learn more about that all-important relationship with Jesus Christ at our website. The address is findpeacewithgod.net. Easy to remember, findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, Mike is going to share another way that he was reminded of God's love for humanity in the twisted wreckage of the fallen World Trade Center towers. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Words simply cannot express the horror, the shock, and the revulsion we all feel over what took place in this nation on Tuesday morning. September 11 will go down in our history as a day to remember. Billy Graham. We've seen so much on our television, heard on our radio, stories that bring tears to our eyes and make us all feel a sense of anger. But God can be trusted even when life seems at its darkest. The Bible words are our hope. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. As a Christian, I have hope not just for this life, but for heaven and the life to come. And many of those people who died this past week are in heaven right now, and they wouldn't want to come back. It's so glorious and so wonderful. And that's the hope for all of us who put our faith in God. I pray that you will have this hope in your heart. Those comments are from the National Day of Prayer and Remembrance Service that was held in Washington, D.C. on September 14th, 2001. You can hear the entire message Billy Graham shared by going to billygrahamradio.org. Click on the Billy Graham Audio Archives and then search for National Cathedral. We also have a link to that message in this episode's show notes. For you who are listening to GPS this week, if you're over the age of 30, you remember vividly the events of September 11th, 2001, and taking in and seeing what was happening. 
thousands of people were directly affected. One of those was Mike Anson, of course, and another was our very own Phil Fleischman. Yeah, you know, I can't imagine what it was like for the first responders like our guest Mike. I know for me, it was a very difficult time, but obviously it was a difficult time for everyone. I was um, bureau chief for a national news network, which was based in Washington, D.C., and I was immersed in 9-11 all day, every day for a while. My wife and young daughter and I lived in the Virginia suburbs, and I worried about them, and I didn't see much of them for the first few days. I was sleeping at the newsroom, and I couldn't count how many times I watched footage of those planes hitting the towers and footage of people jumping out of skyscrapers. That, that was especially hard. It was um, all-consuming, covering and reporting on this, this evil, this act of terrorism. It literally took up every minute of every day for a while. And our newsroom was right up the street from the Pentagon, Jim. And to see the charred sides of that building and the smoke rising up from it, I'd also been a Navy reservist and spent a lot of time at the Pentagon. And then to see armored vehicles with missiles on them parked in the streets of, of D.C., a city that I love, it all just had a profound impact on me. And when I think back on that period of time, there is one word that immediately comes to mind, and it's grief. And it's a grief that I still feel deeply even now when I think about it for even just a, a minute or two. After the major coverage of 9-11 was over, I could not bring myself to watch or read or listen to anything about it for years. And uh, even now, I'm still very selective about it. That's very understandable. Uh, as we think of the events of September 11th, 2001, and even as we look at them again, look at the coverage or listen to the coverage from that time period, it is a stark reminder that evil is a very real part of this life. Ah, but what was intended for evil, God can use for good. And as firefighter Mike Anson was digging through the remains of the World Trade Center, there was one thing he came away with, and it is this. God's love and power are greater than death and evil every time. And, you know, as I looked up, I seen the I-beams, but all they, all they resembled to me was crosses. And you know what? And it just put in my mind of what Jesus done for us on Calvary with all those crosses, how he gave up his life for us to set us free and to give us an eternal life with him. Amen. And our thanks to Mike Anson for sharing with us on this episode of GPS. Also, we are grateful to Mercy Me for allowing us to use their music on this episode. And we thank you for listening. Share it with a friend as you are led. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. One last thing to note, Mike is a chaplain with our Billy Graham Rapid Response Team ministry that was formed by Franklin Graham in the wake of 9-11. The RRT sends out crisis-trained chaplains to disasters to help meet people's spiritual needs. You can learn more about the RRT at billygrahamrrt.org. We'll also have a link to their website in the show notes. GPS, God, People, Stories is an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Find